You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. With me on the line this week is a familiar voice, Liberty Baller's own Dave Early. Dave, how are you doing this week? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of... uh, trade rumors floating around uh the deadline is a week away as we're recording this um you're, you've been kind of at the forefront of our, our rumor mill coverage at liberty baller so i thought you were a uh, appropriate guy to have on this week um but before we we're going to dive into that talk a little bit later in the show first um sixers had a five game winning winning streak and then uh their new kryptonite the washington wizards strolled into town and for the second time in about two weeks the wizards uh, they definitely outplayed the sixers it wasn't so much that the wizards were lighting on the world on fire it was more that the sixers just really put forth a, a terrible effort very reminiscent of their their lackluster showing on mlk day uh, dave why can't the sixers beat the wizards <laughs> i don't i don't know i feel like if we had on a sixers like assistant coach they could tell us something where we'd be like, oh, like maybe something in the way that they fly there. Do they have like a later curfew for a game that's so close? (laughs) It just feels like there's something about the idea that we're going to go and beat this team that we're better than that means necessarily means the Sixers are taken for granted somehow. Yeah, it was considerably striking considering how how up they got for the game against Memphis with no Joel Embiid and that, and then Tyrese and Tobias had, you know, probably their top three respectively best individual performances of the season. It was, I, I, in my opinion, the most exciting game of the year for, for the team as a whole. Uh, yep. And just, just watching Tyrese and John Morant go back and forth with electric drive after electric drive. Um, that was I mean, Joel's had some absolutely incredible performances this year, but just for for guys trading trading blows like that, I think it was the most scintillating basketball we've seen this year. Yeah, you, you look at the Sixers' signature wins, and Embiid is probably in two of the three now, and that one uh, that one was fun for different reasons. Yeah, definitely good to see the supporting cast step up and and get a win that I don't think many people expected once Joel was ruled out for rest. Uh, but then they kind of they kind of let that slip through their fingers, and th- I think they were nine and a half point favorites for the Wizards game uh, with Joel back in the lineup, no Bradley Beal, and then they lose that one. So uh, the they give and they take the Philadelphia 76ers. So as things stand right now, they're a, a game and a half out of first at thirty one and twenty. But before we talk about team stuff, we're going to talk a couple individual awards that the team received this week. Um, Joel Embiid, back-to-back Player of the Month awards. 
Dave, did I was uh, I was kind of surprised to know this. Did you know that it's the first time in franchise history that a Sixer has won back-to-back Player of the Month awards? I did not. I I probably would have guessed Iverson in two thousand one, um, but you know you look back at the East then, and I guess guys like Vince Carter, you know, are at the top height of their power. So maybe a lot of competition, but uh, very impressive. Joel has just been on an unbelievable tear. You pull up his game log and it's like 50, 40, 38, 42, 26, 36, 27. Um, and it's just the points. Yeah, he's he's been incredible. It's it's a little ironic that he's the, these accolades are starting to roll in and he's now not only the MVP favorite in terms of odds, but it, it seems like the narrative is really shifting him to him being being the guy that, that people kind of put at the front of the list. Um, and the last couple games have been some of his worst of the season, which it's, it's grading on a scale because he's still going out there and putting like 26, 12 and five on the table. But uh, he, his shot hasn't been there the last couple games. Um, do you think that's they gave him the rest day on Monday? But do you think that's his legs are a little little worse for wear, given the, the load he was carrying the last couple of months? I, are, are you at all concerned about Joel's couple game hiccup this past week? I mean, I'm always concerned because if Joel were to miss time for any reason, we could very realistically say this is the third time in four seasons that he's been maybe headed for an MVP and around January, February, March, he got, he got banged up and that cost him. So yeah, I'm concerned. Um, That being said, I don't think that he's like really hurt. I I know there was a, a lingering, he banged knees in the opening game and felt like, maybe that had a chance to heal when he had the COVID break, even though he was extremely ill. I don't think we've heard of any consistent knee problems since then. There was a moment there when Ramona Shelburne mentioned that it was actually the meniscus, which is flared up from that incident. And that started getting me to worry because he had a small lateral tear from last season. I was like, Oh no, is this going to linger? I did think that Carmelo Anthony took a hard foul and it looked like Joel was loading up off the maybe the left leg to jump, but Anthony's weight didn't allow it. And I thought he was wincing and limping a little bit the rest of that game, which made sense that he then rested. Um, so it's possible he was not 100% for the last game that he appeared in to me. Yeah, he's he's definitely been a little more, more lumbering uh, the last week or so than we were really saying. There was there was like a month stretch where he he looked really healthy. Everything about his game was fluid. Um, you weren't getting those awkward falls nearly as often where you, you hold your breath. Um, it, it was just, that was like the peak of the Joel Embiid experience. And as I said, it's still, he's still playing really well the last couple of games, but it's just, it, he's gone from back from superstar MVP caliber to all-star caliber the last couple of games, I would say, but still, uh, he's right there at the cusp of leading the league in scoring right now. He's just played incredible basketball all season. Well-deserved January player of the month to uh, follow up his December award. If, if he keeps racking these up, it, I, I feel like the MVP has to, I mean, I mean, I know the analytics for Jokic, but the, the narrative has really seemed to shift to Joel. Um, what's your I'm, read I'm on the you. MVP situation? I'm with you. I think, if this continues, it would be Joel's to lose. Um, can this continue is the big question. I think you you made a great point, and it's it's not one that a lot of 
fans are talking about is that there are less of those scary falls. I think the last time I was on with you, we talked about a scary fall where he, he tried to poster someone in, in like garbage time. And we were like, you, you said it was the most fun play of the night for you. And I was like terrified if we had different <laughs> reactions. Um, but I have been really impressed that I feel like he's, he's found a way to decelerate very carefully as he approaches the paint. So there's less of those bull rush rim runs that get him started from the three point line, the kind where he got hurt against Robin Lopez in the playoffs last year. And now it didn't work out for him in the last game, but he slowed down into a Euro step to try to finish around the rim and Kuzma got a nice block on him. Um, But that's the kind of stuff he's doing to not only continue to dominate, but to avoid some of those dangerous plays where he's up in the air you never know what a defender is going to do. Are they going to take a hard foul? So uh, in terms of winning that MVP, I think he's going to do it if he stays healthy. For sure. He's playing a lot smarter uh, in terms of just like seeing the floor being one step ahead with knowing what he's going to do with the ball. So not, yeah, not only is that translating to, as, as you mentioned, not putting himself in those kind of awkward positions as often, but it's also greatly benefited his playmaking. Um, we've seen all season with Ben Simmons not choosing to participate um, in the sport he's paid to participate in. And, uh, you know, Tyrese Maxey being more of a gradual process as terms of a, a lead ball handler. Um, Joel, yeah, and it's, it's coming along great. And we're going to talk about Tyrese uh, next, um, but he's he's really stepped up as a, his playmaking the last few games, but for the majority of the season, that wasn't quite the case. And, and Joel's really stepped up his, that area of his game. Like, and we've seen the, he's finding guys in the dunker spot repeatedly. He's got those cross court passes down to the opposite corner. Like that's a bread and butter move for him right now, which a couple years ago, that was just, it seemed like such an advanced play for him to make that, we, we said, oh, well, that could eventually be there, but it was like a hypothetical down the road. Now that's there. It's just a routine part of his game. Um, and, he, and he's cut down on the turnovers a little bit as well. So just all facets of his game coming together right now. Uh, and, you know, you're seeing the results and it's well-deserved. He's getting these player of the month awards. It's, it's well-deserved that he's at the, uh, at the front of the MVP discussion. Um, just Yeah, the one, the, the one thing that I would say like if we were odds makers the, if the Sixers swing a monster trade at this deadline um, it's possible that that changes nothing in terms of his MVP race but it also is possible that it leads to some growing pains as an, yet another group that he has to learn to play with um, takes a little bit of time and it could actually detract from his regular season awards um, on the other hand maybe it would allow him to feel more comfortable taking a rest game that they could still win. They brought in a nice player um, and he could stay healthier. So that it could go two ways, but if they, if they actually do nothing or do something very small at the deadline, I think I would like his MVP chances best of all, just because he's on, he's already on a B line for that right now. Yeah. It's an interesting question. Cause as you say, if, if they hold Pat and this is essentially the roster, it, it, there's no doubt about it. It's him leading the way. It's kind of dragging this group along that has a 30 plus million dollar hole in it. And uh, just a Herculean task to 
and if they still finish like top three in the East with Ben Simmons, not playing a single game and, and nothing to show for that portion of the salary cap. Um, I, I think that all bakes into the narrative. On the other yep. hand, if, if they do bring in a, a an impact player in, in a Simmons trade at the deadline, a, a, would that reduce his production a little bit because someone could, you know, take, take some of that load. They brought in a Harden that would be take a lot of getting used to. It might not be as smooth as we would imagine. Like whose team is it? Who has the ball in crunch time? Stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, So not only would there be a a rough transition, but also his counting stats would, would you would think go down uh, significantly. Um, So that, that could play a factor, but also the team, it, it could make them much better off and suddenly finishing first or second in the conference looks much more like a viable proposition. And then if they had just held Pat and another part that gets baked into the narrative is team success. So that could definitely, you can make the argument that would help his case. Um, it, it certainly could. And we couldn't rule out either one. Um, yep. I think what the last part you just alluded to is, is definitely the end game that I'm hoping for. It's something that makes the team better and, you know, an MVP would be great, but if you could land an impact player to help improve their title odds significantly, I would be thrilled. I would as well. And I think every Philadelphia 76ers fan would much rather have Ben Simmons traded at the deadline. If they had to give up a Joel Embiid MVP award to make it happen, I think they'd be hundred percent on board with that. Um, I've been, I've been surveyed everyone, but I, I feel like that'd be the case. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Embiid, Getting getting well deserved awards. Um, another guy who received an award this week was Tyrese Maxey, who was selected to the Rising Stars team, uh, which will take place over All Star Weekend. It's a new format. I'm not going to go into the format because the description is like three pages long. It's they they made it overly complicated. Um, but he'll be there. He'll be playing basketball. That'll be fun. Um, so I, I thought an interesting discussion with with how well Tyrese Maxey has been playing because we. We briefly mentioned his uh, his duel with John Morant earlier this week. Um, he's had some big assist totals lately. He's hitting step back threes now. Um, we, before I ask my question that I that I uh, discussed with you offline, what what about Maxi's performance lately has impressed you the most, Dave? Um, that's a good question. That's actually harder than I would have guessed. Uh, I guess his his half court assaults on the rim. Um, he, he got a running start on his game winner against the Grizzlies, but seeing him play under control in a half court setting and still get into the paint, even if he's not necessarily finishing himself um, and, and cha- using that change of speed, that's the type of stuff that allows you to you know play at a near all-star level for a long time. And defenses just don't have an answer if you have his type of athleticism and ability to finish. So I think his, his half-court finishing is uh, still what's impressing me the most. Um, his jumper looks good. His jumper looks good to me. Uh, he, he might have, like, the faintest of a pause as he brings it up. I feel like it's very easy to tell where he's shooting from because of this just slight pause in his motion, um, whereas a guy who shoots purely in one motion, it's harder to tell because the whole thing is smooth and it happens so quickly. So – you know, if he, I, I do think he's still working on his shot and it's getting smoother and smoother. Like we can see that happen over a period of weeks sometimes where it's like, oh, his, his jumper looks better than it did three months ago. Um, so that's obviously impressed me as well. His, his shooting, he's shooting 
think over 40% on maybe one and a half three point attempts per game or so. Well, he's making, he's making nearly one and a half. He's, um, he's attempting like three and a half. Uh, yeah. And you're right. He's just a tick over 40%. And what impresses Uh, me, I meant meant pull up specifically. I think it was one and a half. Um, Yeah. So that I I was just going to mention that, that what impresses me about it in particular is that it's not, it's not like he's getting all of these in spot up situations like wide open in the corner. Like he had, he had a game a month or so ago where he, he hit like five or six threes and, and they all kind of came in the corner with him being open. And we said, Oh, that's great. Like if he could just hit spot up threes, like they're going to be available. That'll, that'll open up things, allow him to that's have right. a, a role in the half court off the net. Yeah. The next game, um, which yeah, it was great, but there's a, a an additional evolution that we didn't even like consider because we figured, Oh, that there's no way he gets to that right away. And that's him hitting these pull-ups and hitting these step backs. And he's just taking them fully confidently and he's hitting them, as you said, also at a 40% clip. It's, I mean, I don't think anyone could have predicted that he would be here already in midway through year two. Um, when, when shooting was such a swing skill for him coming out of the draft, um, the, the 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 progress he's made in such a short period of time is really remarkable. The Sixers bet on a player where, with shooting as a swing skill, and it's working out. <laughs> they were due, right? It's it's like the person that stubbornly bets on red, and it's black time. nine times in a row, but they stick with it. It eventually has to hit. Um, Not even red, like betting on thirty-two on the roulette. <laughs> <laughs> well, well yeah, I, I feel like like event like shooting it should go like these are guys that are working on it as it's their profession they're that that's literally they have no other job but like become better as a shooter um so you would think that it would eventually work out like it it shouldn't be this abnormal thing that somebody you draft as as a project eventually figures it out but um it, it does seem to have been more of a difficult ask for for Sixers draftees than other franchises but um yeah Tyrese Maxey has has solved the puzzle he's doing everything he could possibly want right now as a as a second year player who just was only recently able to drink alcohol legally <laughs> like the, the upside the ceiling is all tremendous um so I, I wanted to ask you along that vein with Tyrese in the Rising Stars game how many other players that are participating in that game, would you take over Tyrese Maxey right now? It's a t- tough question. And I'm not the best person to ask this to, because I don't see like a ton of Josh Giddy at this point. I'm not, I'm not sussing out Thunder games, but let me give you like a rough, I'll go down the list and I'll say, I would, I would swap him straight up for Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, let's... Cade, Cade was one of mine. I, yep. I would do Scotty Barnes. Really? You have him? I don't have Scotty Barnes. Make make your case for Scotty Barnes. Uh, it's basically just on draft capital. I think he, you know he he went really high last year. I do think he would have went over Maxi, and I don't know that he's done anything to to show any massive red flags. So, um, yeah, he's you know, he, no. To to be fair, he he he's looked incredible this season as a rookie, and his. We just talked about shooting being a swing skill for Maxi. I think that was the case for Barnes as well, and he's looked much better than expected as a shooter in his rookie year. So, and and a lot of what I'm going for, like 
you know, if I pick a couple of these guys, I'm going to take Jalen Green as well. I'm going to take Evan Mobley. Um, a, a few of these guys, like Evan Mobley next to Joel Embiid would be weird. And suddenly they would really miss having Maxi, who's a ball handler. But I'm thinking not just his fit. I'm thinking his trade value. I think you could t- call up a team like Portland and say, this, this player alone ignites your rebuild. And so for that reason, I think that's why I would take a guy like Mobley. Um, yeah, I, I had Mobley as well, both because of what you mentioned, his intrinsic value, but it, it's working for the Cavs. Like they're playing Mobley next to Jared Allen and they're playing him with like Laurie Markkinen as the three Kevin loves in the rotation. So they, they have bigs all the time and Mobley's just um, mobile and switchable enough. Like he, he just is all over the place defensively. Like he, he looks the part of an all defensive uh, team guy uh, in the not too distant future. And um his offensive game's a little raw, but you can still see the shape of everything he can be, where he can be a T's baseball parlance, like a five-tool player. Like there's no no obvious holes in his game. Um, so I, yeah, Mobley, Mobley was kind of a no-brainer for me. There's there's every possibility he's the best player in, their, in that draft class. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, having him would give you arguably a better chance this season, and if not, a much better chance to trade him for a superstar in the offseason um, than Maxi would, I believe. Let's see, I, I also had LaMelo and Anthony Edwards. Um, did you have those two? Yep, those. Uh, so that you've mentioned my four now. I had Cade, Mobley, LaMelo, and Ant. Um, I think LaMelo and Ant are, yeah, LaMelo was the rookie of the year last year. He's taking the next step you would hope this year. So that's kind of a no-brainer. And Anthony Edwards. You didn't Edwards, have Jalen Green, though. I didn't. No, I I mean, I, I get your your draft capital case. I under, I understand that. But I haven't seen enough from Green this year, like, to, to, be to, honest, put, I to put him out, out of out of ahead of where Maxi is right now. Like, Green is still just such a project. Um, it, and if everything comes together, sure. But from what I've seen, the shooting's been inconsistent. The the ball, the the turnover numbers have been high. Like, and, and I get he's a rookie. That's all fine, but it, it's all hypothetical for him still. Whereas Maxi, like I've I've seen the product on the court. Plus, he still has a ton of upside. So I I, I take Maxi for the the little bit more of a sure thing right now. Yeah, that's not a doesn't. I, mean, I could be sold on that. Um, let's see. I have a few maybes here. I had. Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy, Desmond Bain, and Tyrese Halliburton in my maybe category. I uh, just kind of feel like I'm undecided on those. Yeah, they're all they're all obviously very good players. Um, Halliburton was the only one I had as a maybe. Um, okay. Bain Bain is great. I feel like he has like elite role player upside i think maxi has a little bit more of more of like a lead dog ceiling outcome i agree with that i, I agree with that for sure more uh, all-star equity in in uh in maxi despite bane showing some <laughs> you know ability to create especially against the yeah, sixers a couple nights yeah ago. bane bane was tremendous um yeah. in philly so i i mean I, bane's awesome i've I, I feel like i'm not saying he couldn't be an all-star someday uh, but uh I, I just feel like Maxi's profile is a little bit more of that in that vein than, than his is. Um, I made the case for, you know, drafting players like SGA, 
Miles Bridges, Kevin Knox over Mikhail Bridges because Mikhail profiled as a tremendous three and D guy, but not necessarily an all-star. Um, but now you look at him and there was that case that some of these really, really good three and D guys have all-star impact, even if they don't get voted on. Um, so it's possible that a guy like Bain could get there that way. Yeah. Um, for, yeah. Look at a, like a Chris Middleton, that could be like a, a Bain eventual outcome, like super efficient scorer exactly, who, does, yeah. who does all the the little things right. Um, I feel like people look at that a lot more than they used to maybe 10, 15 years ago, like players of, of that, ca- like they're, they're that type of game uh, gets a lot more respect than, than it used to. Uh, For sure. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like we, we circled the, the right names. Um, what do you make of the, the Tyrese Maxey untouchable wording rumors? What's your opinion when you, when you hear stuff like that? You know, I, I, before his 33 point game against Ja, uh, I would have said, I don't buy it. I think that, I think that there was just a report from Vincent Goodwill, I think, or a podcast saying that Sean Marks, GM of the Nets has a standing offer of Tyrese Maxey and Ben Simmons for James Harden. He's not taking it. And I heard that I posted on our Liberty ball or Slack and a couple of people were like, well, yeah, probably offers that every day. Um, and I thought about it and I wondered, is that the case? Like, would he include Tyrese Maxey in that deal? And I, I guess they would maybe consider something like that if it allowed them to uh, do that, do a trade this year, like right now. Yeah. Whereas that's, maybe that, that, that was my thing. If, if including Maxey got it done at the deadline and you had Harden for this stretch run in this wide open field, that's a different story than in the off season where if Harden wanted to leave, the Nets lose a lot of their leverage. Yeah. I, I don't know if they could get Maxi and um, Ben, but I, I think like you said, they would have a better chance if they did it now. I actually don't know how the Sixers would value Bradley Beal and James Harden. Um, both could leave in free agency. So I guess this is either, trading for them now when they could walk in which case you probably are thinking they are not going to include maxi on top just for the outside scenario this guy vows to you i will stay for five years but then he changes his mind after a crummy playoff run where someone refuses to dunk or shoot or something like that um in in that case it's just too risky to trade ben and maybe a pick or two and maxi for a guy who could leave but if both were inked and we were talking this talking about this in the summer um, and that's the scenario where I just don't know if they would prefer Beal because he does look quite a bit younger these days than James Harden. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Harden and Beal situations in the second half, but I feel like everything you said was on point. And uh, if we're going by John Calipari, then apparently Doc Rivers told him Maxi in a Simmons deal will never happen. So uh, Calipari is in the untouchable camp, but <laughs> obviously uh, Maxi is a is his one of his guys, so he's gonna he's gonna say that. But I agree with you, John. Uh, I don't know. It, it, whatever. I'm sure there's deals out there where you would include Maxi and, and feel like it was the right move. But just given the love the city has uh, has for him right now, how they've embraced him, and more importantly, how he seems like he gets it. And he like understands the vibe of the city and the fan base. Um, it, it's hard to find those guys. And 
Joel is a is is definitely one. Um, and and Tyree seems like he's coming into his own as like one of those guys that embraces the city and the fa- and the fans and kind of the yeah we're gonna boo you, but it's because we 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 want you to do better and we love you for it and just take it and move on and like all all those kind of things that the other point guard didn't quite get. Uh, it seems like Tyree gets so. Um, it would it would really sting, even if it was the right move. It would really sting for the fan base to lose Tyrese. I think. If you if you would have told me that Tyrese Maxey is untouchable last January when there was a rumor there, I think didn't Mark Stein say the Sixers don't want it? They're trying to get more draft capital to land James Harden because they don't want to trade Maxey. And I thought, but they would trade Maxey. Um, somehow there was even a rumor that they wouldn't trade him for Kyle Lowry when he was apparently offered for Kyle Lowry. And most of the time this season, when we've been talking about guys like Bradley Beal, I, I would have said, I don't care what the reporting says, the Sixers would trade Tyrese Maxey. We're finally at a point where I'm like, but maybe they wouldn't, you know? Like, yeah. I think he's played himself into that, that conversation where he might actually be untouchable in some of these deals we're talking about, even returning a star. Um, but, but like we said, if it wraps this thing in a bow and you're done and can have it this season, that might be the one scenario where the Sixers would be willing to do that for a guy like Beal. But I just don't know. Maybe not. The, the Maxi Lowry thing is such an interesting what if, because in the world where they do that trade, you, you can definitely make the argument that they, they like win the title last year if they have Lowry. Yeah. So, but then down the road, Maxi becomes like this perennial all-star in the East and Sixers fans be like, Oh, we can't believe we let Maxi go. But, then they would look up at the banner and it's the old, the old flags fly forever thing. And yeah. they'd say like, Oh, but it was worth it for that parade down broad street. But man, it would be nice to be able to keep Maxi. Um, but uh, yeah. So the, very, yeah, the tempting thing for us to do is say, take the, we kept Maxi victory lap and make fun of Masai for now getting nothing. It looks like for Goran Dragic um, yep. instead on the other hand, like you said, yeah, we can't say that they definitely wouldn't have won the title last game. So they definitely didn't. They wouldn't have lost to Atlanta no. if they had the Kyle Lowry. So, and and then and then who knows? Um, but yeah, that interesting. And no thirty-three million dollar void. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ben Ben wouldn't be holding out right now. We wouldn't have had to deal with those talks for the last uh, eight months. It wouldn't um, be, is this Embiid's team or Ben's team in anyone's mind? It would just be, this is the North Philly kids' team. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think Lowry would have stuck around or do you think he still would have went to Miami? If Let's just, I, let's assume let's assume they lose in the conference finals or something. They, they don't win a title. If they lose in the conference finals, then I think he would leave. If they won, I think it would be one of those Kawhi Leonard, am I going to the Raptors or am I going to the Clippers or am I going to play the Lakers off of these two? Uh, situations, and I wouldn't have been surprised no matter what he did, and I wouldn't have minded if he won the Sixers title. Flag, <laughs> yeah, no, flag no one would care. Go to Miami, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, the the Kawhi is a perfect parallel because he, he left, but no one in Toronto cared because he gave him a title. Like, no. uh, some so. of them still prefer DeRozan. They just are thanks for the title. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, interesting hypothetical. But Tyrese Maxey, congrats on your rising star um, selection, and. Uh, I, I don't think it's out of the question that maybe as soon as next year, there could be a different star type uh, moniker that you earn um, based on the way he's playing this year. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, hear from our sponsor. But after this, we're going to, we're going to zoom out and do some more uh, Ben talk and more trade deadline stuff. All right. But first a quick break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, Dave. Uh, we're going to talk Ben Simmons now. There was obviously any number of trade rumors circling around because I think Ben Simmons is the number one name on everyone's mind as the trade deadline approaches. Will he stay? Will he go? Before we talk about that, though, I wanted to touch on uh, Shaquille O'Neal's most recent remarks on uh, the podcast he he does. Uh, it was on NBA on TNT last week, called Ben a baby, said, like, you need to be out there, you need to be playing. Now he kind of doubled down on that and said Ben had DM'd him. Uh, you know, they're both LSU brothers, um, so Shaq didn't want to specifically say what was in the DM or anything, but it, it kind of came across that Simmons was saying, you don't know what's going on, it's not my fault. Um, what was what was your reaction to the the Shaq stuff? Um, I, it's hard for me to have a very strong opinion. Uh, I don't know if there's any underlying tension or why Shaq would even, you know, go forward with this stuff. Does he have some sort of beef? Is this semi-clutch? Is he just mad that he wants to see Ben play? I really don't know. Um, but I, I guess, you know, if you're a Sixers fan and you're frustrated with Ben Simmons, you kind of just like a, a legend dunking on him. I, so I see that side of it too. But... Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of shot and fraud in the uh, the Sixers fan base these days when it comes to Ben. Like, yeah, as you said, everyone just wants to dunk on him at every chance. Um, it was it was I thought it was a weird thing for Shaq to even bring up. It was it was very it was like clout chasing in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hey, that we know this will everyone's going to tune into the podcast this week because this will go viral and that that's good for the pod and everything. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know why you need to like air dirty laundry like that talking about somebody what somebody dm'd you Uh, yeah if i dm somebody to defend myself i wouldn't like the idea that they just went public and said dave's defending himself he's making excuses um there's there's some sort of code among uh dmers (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah i'm not i'm not uh internet savvy enough i'm not i'm not that online to really know what goes into it but uh it, it felt a little wrong to me and and I was I was totally on board with Shaq's original comments that he, he aired publicly on on TNT and the and the studio show. Um, I, I thought those that was mostly spot on. Like, listen, I told Joel the same thing. I yeah, I, I called him out. Like, you need to be able to take criticism and let it roll off and and, and be better about it. And I I kind of agreed that Ben hasn't. And when people you know criticized him, it kind of wounded him a little a little bit more than it it does other guys and 
I understand we're all human and you don't like to hear stuff, but you're in a high profile position and it's a competitive professional sport where you're in the top 0.01% of your craft. Like you're going to hear these things that just comes with the job. So I I thought Shaq's original stuff was on point. Um, But yeah, I, I I don't know calling somebody out for DMing you. It was kind of weird. I, yeah. I don't like that part of it. I, I, if, if Joel, you know, just completely lit into Ben Simmons and you told me like afterwards that it happened, he, you know, stories come out of like Michael Jordan beating up his teammates and doing things to either break them down or motivate them. I, I don't mind that that much, but if you do it publicly, I think to myself, well, did you really have to do that? How does that benefit anyone? Um, so maybe I'm a little bit old school in that regard. You know, sometimes you hear like some of these players go on their podcast and say stuff like I'm saying, like, just say it to me. Just you don't have to go through the media. Part of that is the reason Kawhi Leonard wound up leaving the Spurs because Tony Parker was trying to send his messages to Kawhi to be around the team, even when you're rehabbing. Um, but he was using it, the media to outlet. And that was sort of a, you know, irrevocable damage to their relationship. So don't, I don't like Shaggo in public with, but, but I'm fine if he has any opinion towards Ben and he wants to say it, but I don't care. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, and, you know, every guy's different. Like the, the Kawhi situation that you brought up, that's a good parallel. I think uh, Ben and Kawhi are both very reserved personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just kind of got to read the room and, and know what's going to, what buttons are going to push players in the right way if you're a teammate or a coach or whatever. You're definitely um, not going to persuade Kawhi to do anything by like. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that is a man that is Ernie, set, Ernie Johnson. Yeah. He's set in his ways. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. Enough, enough. Shaq. Uh, Shaq talk <laughs> that that was just an interesting side bit. The real, the real stuff we need to worry about is what's going to happen at next Thursday's trade trade deadline. Um, you, you hit on the Beal and the Harden angles um a little bit earlier it, it kind of does seem like it's it's beal harden or, or bust right now in terms of a deal happening in the next week is, is that your read on the situation it's really tough to get a read uh sometimes i go back and forth you know a while ago i was like 65 percent we're gonna see a ben trade just maybe 10 days ago and now i'm like we're probably not gonna see one in, in the potosphere makes it sound like no one expects us to see one I have not personally heard a great argument for why holding Ben Simmons through the trade deadline is important or mandatory for them to land one of these guys. For example, if James Harden said, I want to come to Philly, um, they could say that, you know, the Nets could say, we will absolutely not cooperate. But if Harden said, I want to come, Darryl Morey could burn picks to, to trade Tobias Harris to make room. You know, he could trade Ben Simmons. He could somewhere else. He could, uh, just get it done and there be little that the nets could do. So they'd be lucky to get a guy like Ben in a situation like that. Um, so all that brings me to, is it possible that this is all just leverage and Daryl Murray has this all exactly where he wants us wondering if there's really not going to be a trade to increase the trade value right now. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't know if there will be one, but I think so much of what we're hearing is designed to make us think there won't be one for leverage. If that's the case, then I tip my cap to Daryl Morey because that would be a really great job of concealing his true intentions um, and and keeping things under wraps and everything else. Uh, 
because right now there's zero smoke about like oh th- these these teams are close to a deal um and and S- the simmons thing seems imminent like there's not even a hint of the rumor like all the teams that seem to be like in the running and having a connection like sacramento seems like they've completely bowed out minnesota it seems like they're very interested but their their packages that would be interesting to the sixers are, are pretty pick heavy and it doesn't seem like Daryl really wants to go that route. Um, and the Atlanta thing, it seems like there's a hard line with uh, Tobias uh, being included um, and Sixers want, want that. And then obviously Atlanta doesn't. Uh, so it, it, there's just not any, anything that seems like it's at the, at the 10 yard line, let alone at the goal line for, for, for things to happen right now. Um, and I, I, I totally agree with your point that there's nothing precluding you from if James Harden wants to be in Philadelphia in July, like it can happen whether or not you do have Ben Simmons on the team, whether it's you can make a way to sign James outright or you can use the stuff that you get in the Simmons trade that you do make at the deadline and whatever else you need to do the opt-in and trade or whatever else, because if it's a situation where Harden wants to come here, like Brooklyn doesn't have very much leverage in the situation. So they would, they would be happy with what they could get. Um, so yeah. And, and, and as far as the Beal stuff, like Beal just hasn't played well enough this year for me to be like over the moon with giving up this huge mega package to get him. And he's, he's due the supermax. Why is Harden? <laughs> well, well, Harden's played. I mean, he's played at an all-star level this year, whereas Bradley Beal hasn't. So I feel like if you're getting Harden, then at least I, I feel better about the team's present. I, I feel like the the future is equally murky, but I feel a lot better with James Harden on this roster than with Bradley Beal. Beal's only shooting 30% from three right now. He's had the wrist thing that he's currently sitting out for right now. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I don't feel like he's as impact. I feel like he's a step down as far as like a tier of player from James Harden. So I'm willing to give up this mega package to get James Harden. I'm not quite as willing to do it for Bradley Beal. Um, I don't know people's opinion on those players can differ, but there's a pretty steep drop off from Harden to Beal in my mind. I guess you kind of disagree. You, you feel like it, there's a little bit closer of a gap between those guys. I disagree in the in the major tier gap in terms of them as values over the next four years, which is how the Sixers would be seeing it. You know, if you could persuade me that Harden's better right now, it would be better for this year and next year. I, I I'm open, but if but beyond that, then I think it might switch the other way. Um, I have watched every game Harden has played this year. I have not with Beal, uh, and I have seen what I feel is a significant decline in Harden, even though he's still amazing. Um, I, I think that his, his minute total is catching up to him. Uh, he just doesn't look like the same quickness in terms of his play as we've seen in the past. Um, so I don't know. I, I get the sense that Harden is very, very frustrated, but I have a hard time on picturing him actually leaving if they have a good playoff run here. Um, with Beal, I have a hard time picturing him not taking 240 million and then asking for a trade in a year or two, like Harden did. You just look what Harden did, take the supermax, give it a year, and then then we'll ask out. Um, 
And so that doesn't leave the Sixers a million options, right? Uh, you wonder if they – is there any part of the Sixers that feels if they get to February 11th that they could persuade Ben Simmons to play? Will he <laughs> – if there was a 2% chance that Ben felt he would play to get that $12 million bucks he's owed, and I think Danny Green was just joking about Yeah, I was, I was just going to say um, Danny Green's comments regarding that situation were – kind of interesting um yeah so if they think what was the wording he basically said that he has more money than we accounted for or something it was a weird really weird phrasing yeah he was basically like i think he would play because if he could sit out the rest of the year he's got a lot more savings than we originally accounted for yeah i think was the way you know i'm paraphrasing but basically that which it's just a weird way to phrase it because it was like they they knew this going that this would be the situation going in and they were calculating well well ben can't hold out forever because he doesn't have enough money <laughs> yeah well they know they know exactly what he's what he's owed um they don't know what he spent i guess um i think that if you know if you were ben simmons and you thought well crap i never thought this would happen but i'd at least like to save that 12 million dollars i have plans with maya um maybe you and you're like two or three or four percent that you would play you'd still have every incentive to have rich paul make clear you're a thousand percent not going to play and maybe the sixers in some ways call his bluff the the other situation we didn't talk about where what if harden didn't say absolutely want to go to philly make it happen what if he said i'm open to going to philly and miami and you know two other teams that are good contenders who might offer packages where you have to stop and think, you know, is it Ben Simmons? Is it Tyler hero? You know, stuff like that. In those types of scenarios, maybe the Sixers would say 4% chance Ben Simmons plays for us. 4% chance we can get Bradley Beal in June, 4% chance we get Harden, 4% chance we get Dame. Let's, let's pass this offer right now that we have from Indiana and let's, let's just go with it. So maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know. Well, I would be absolutely floored if Ben Simmons played a game for the Philadelphia 76ers this season. Um, I, it's so hard given all the animosity that's been not aired publicly, but that it's been reported by in, in kind of the hallways of the NBA conversation circles uh, for, for them to come together and, and reach an agreement to, to, to be partners on in on court endeavors again, I, yeah, it's a really hard sell for me. I don't know. I can't. It's a hard sell, but I would I would say you and I would have both maybe, or at least a handful of us Liberty Ballers would have agreed it's impossible last June July. But then when you and I were podcasting in late October, we thought he really might show up for that road trip in November. So there was a time where we would have felt it's impossible, and maybe that could change. The unexpected tends to happen. I think before the season started, the Bengals and the Jets had the same Super Bowl odds. And now look, so, <laughs> um, it, you know, and it's we're dealing with humans, the most unpredictable thing of all. If Ben Simmons was a thousand percent, he's never going to play. What if he just changed his mind in a few weeks because Shaq made fun of him and it bothered him or something? So I wouldn't, compl- I would say non zero and all those other possibilities maybe add up to you know, a, a percent chance that Daryl doesn't like, but he's willing to, to gamble with. All right. Fair enough. Um, I, 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 I kind of think it would be zero, but 
yeah, I, I guess you, you, you're right. You can never say never. Um, but yeah, we would say, I, I hope we don't, I really hope we don't say, because I hope the trade <laughs> happens by the deadline. <laughs> but, I, I have some articles in the queue that are, that'll have to write about if he's still here. I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah. I, I hope that that, that world never comes to fruition. Um, all right. So we're a week away. Just yes or no. Do you think a Ben Simmons deal happens? You mean before the deadline? Yes, before the deadline. Yeah. I I will say no, but I'm I'm close. I'm close. 50 50. It's it's feeling like 55 45, maybe. Yeah. I'm also no, I'm I'm much farther apart. I, I was very close as recently as like two weeks ago. And I'm I'm like a 85% he's not being dealt right now. Uh it's I don't know. There's not there's not even the, the lick of a rumor right now. It's it, it seems like it's so everything's so stagnant. It seems like things are at such a stalemate with Daryl's demands and team's expectations of what it would take that I, I just, I really don't see it happening. And I'm not happy when Daryl. Yeah. I, I, when Daryl went on the radio and he talked to Mike Masnelli, um, he said like two or three times, we haven't been able to do a trade and we haven't been able to change organizational things that he wants. And I kept thinking, what the heck does that mean? We haven't been able to make a trade. He said it again, like you haven't been able to make a trade and we haven't been able to change the things internally that he's looking for. So I started to wonder, is there something if this, if we have this conversation at three Oh seven, we're determined that there's no more faxes coming through. Um, did they pivot to that? And, whatever the heck that meant organizational somethings. Do you have any, do you have any idea what that now you've had time to, to ponder and think on it? Do, do you know I don't what think that it's mean? like, I don't think it's like certain players because if they knew this at the time, they, they could have gone out and made changes. You know, it's not like get rid of Danny green. I don't like Danny green. Cause the Sixers kept green after they knew Ben might want to trade. Um, so, you know, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Would he prefer another coach? Would he prefer, an apology from someone would he prefer like five things does he want a, a bed in the in camden or <laughs> i don't know I'm, you know these are all we're, we're talking about very 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 slim possibilities here but um that, that'll be the only thing for us to talk about for several months if we get to this point so i'm just thinking ahead does he want a team sponsored metaverse <laughs> yeah, is, is he lucas capetian <laughs> <laughs> who knows all right, so we both don't think that Ben will be dealt in the next week. You are a little less certain that he won't be traded than I am. Um, we'll see. I hope I hope you're right and that things are a lot closer than, than they seem to me at this time. Um, all right, so the Sixers at this moment are just a game and a half out of first. They'd be that that Wizards loss just really sticks in my crawl. They could be half game out of first right now um, as we're recording. And I still can't believe they let that one slip, slip past them. Uh, but in, in a good position, but they do have the sixth toughest remaining strength of schedule. Dave, they still have four games left to play against the Cavaliers. Um, how is that possible? How, how could you have 
four of their last 30 games are going to be against Cleveland. It, it's going to be like it's going to be a rivalry it's, soon. <laughs> it's going to be like when they seemingly played the Hornets like every other week the one year. Oh, do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, so it's definitely going to feel like that with Cleveland right now, um, which is great from like a basketball viewing entertainment perspective because Cleveland's a really fun young team. But for a we want the Sixers to finish the season strong, perspective not not great that they have four games against Cleveland because Cleveland right now is only a half game behind the Sixers in the standings and they have one all-star in Darius Garland and they might get another in Jared Allen as an injury replacement for Kevin Durant um we'll, we'll see about that but Cleveland playing really good basketball um right now they have a tough stretch where they have a road game in Dallas then another road game in Chicago who's first place in the conference than a home game, but against the Suns. So I don't, I don't know, Dave, where do you, uh, how do you think they, they do in this, this upcoming stretch and what are your, what are your overall feelings about the, the path of the team right now and, and their ultimate destination in the standings? Cleveland's tough. You know, I'm shocked at how good they are. They they actually, I'm looking at it now. They have the best differential in the conference plus 4.3. Uh, which is a pretty good predictor of regular season success too. So I think they'll continue. I think that the Sixers can be better than, you know, a team like the Bulls who were ahead of them in the standings most of the year. The Celtics are actually playing some good ball lately, even though their record isn't showing it yet. Still 28 and 25. But Yeah, they, like they've won three straight. So definitely yeah. coming together a little bit. Yeah, I think um, – I th- I'm interested to see what the Nets do. There was a rumor as the day we're recording this, that Joe Harris may not be back and he may not be hundred percent healthy if he is. So I still think the Nets are probably the class of the conference if they could ever. And I know this is becoming a bigger and bigger if by the day, if they can ever just get healthy, even as a part-time player team. <laughs> yeah, um, that was, that was a really self-aware quote from Kyrie the other day where he said, yeah, it's just it's been hard because we haven't had all three guys available at the same time. Like, I just don't know when that could happen. Uh, it's like, hey, Kyrie, you've had a pretty big hand in that not being the case. I, I saw some of Nets Twitter dunking on him all day for saying, like, what we need is the, the mindset that, that it, we're all selfless. And people were like the most hilarious. Quotes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Just and it was that and the James Harden quote about like, if you touch somebody anymore, it's two foul shots. Yes, like, which like, is interesting. <laughs> yeah. He wants to go to the line so much more than he has, and he's got that rep. But I guess I see the Sixers settling in somewhere around the fourth of the fifth best team, uh, not not necessarily record wise, but just where we would rank them. Because some of these teams don't don't give it their best this time of year, and some of these teams can't because of injuries. Um, but I guess I like them after I like the heat bucks and nets. Yeah. It's a lot. It's going to depend on, yeah, not only health, which always does, but the, what happens at the deadline, the Sixers have this, this chip that is either going to be completely sidelined or the equivalent of 30 plus million dollars in salary in player value that will just suddenly appear out of thin air and help boost the team. Um, so that, that, that's obviously a huge swing and something you, you never really see at a February deadline. Um, 
the only equivalent would be like if a player was like a star player was hurt for most of the year and then just and then finally made a season debut in like February or March. Um, that would be the only equivalent to like the value increase they would get from a Simmons trade happening. Yeah, like uh, a Jamal Murray or something. Right. Yeah. Like Denver holding out hope that Jamal Murray returns um, before the season's over. So yeah, hard to say in that sense. Um, they do have a tough schedule coming up, but oddly, I feel like that is good because they, they get up for the good teams more, more so than the wizards of the world where they, they kind of play down to their competition more than you would like. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I feel like they kind of settle into that four or five range. Eventually they, the good thing is they, they played such good ball in January thanks to Embiid in large part and, and also Maxi and Tobias having a, a bounce back month. Um, they're, they're got a little bit of a cushion from that, that play in range. It was just a couple of weeks ago. They were like sixth in the conference and only like a game ahead of Charlotte. And that was worrisome, but yeah, at least now they're firmly in normal playoff uh, contention in that range. So a lot better shape than they were in a few weeks ago. They'll, as as long as Embiid is playing the way he is, I, I don't feel like there'll be any huge drop off. But I, I think it would take a a Simmons trade happening for them to finish top two in the conference, just given the, the tough the tough schedule towards the down the stretch here. Yeah, I'd be willing to to part with being a top regular season team as long as we we looked at them and we looked at their roster going into the playoffs and we said this team is for real. I don't care who is home court. Um, and you know, maybe I think Daryl said, like, I think we're around that 5% range when he gave his interview. I don't know if he meant without Ben altogether the rest of the year, or did he mean like the fact that we might do a trade? If, if we looked at the odds today, I think they have somewhere like just below a 5% implied. And some of that is probably baking in a trade. So it might even decrease if they did not make one. So they, I guess they're long shots as well as Embiid is playing. They're pretty big long shots as is. Yeah, it's, you have, if, if, if Embiid's playing at an MVP caliber, then you have a shot because if you have the best player on the court, you always have a shot, but yep, they would need a lot to go right. They would need the right path of opponents in the playoffs and they would need Embiid to stay completely healthy playing every other night for a month straight. Um, if he got anything where he was like 80% because of a, a lingering injury, like he bumps, bumps knees and he's just not, not hundred percent because of it, then, then, then they lose because they need a hundred percent at Joel Embiid given the, the limitations of the rest of the roster. But um, mm, yeah, 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 they, they have a chance, um, but they'd have a much better chance if they, if they make the deal. And that, that is what Daryl said in the, in that interview you just referred to, he said, yeah, we have a 5% chance, but you want to have like, that's not good enough. And we're going to, we're going to continue to, to try to improve those odds and make it better because that that's not what we're satisfied with, but he also has continued to maintain that, you know, we're not just worried about this year for Joel's prime. We're worried about the enti- the entire length of his prime, which means the next few years as well. So we don't want to, we don't uh, reduce our, our chances in future years significantly by making a less than optimal trade just to slightly improve our chances this year, which I, I get both sides of that one. So 
I don't know. It's a tough situation. I wish everyone that was being paid to play basketball wanted to play basketball right now for the team is basically where I'm at with it. But I do too. I feel like that's a, that's a logical (laughs) standpoint. I feel like a lot of fans are looking at it another way of like, I don't want him to play, (laughs) but, uh, but I'm with you. I wish he was playing, you know, and I wish he was playing and helping them win games like the last game. And then if they found a trade, fine, great. But if not, it's better than, uh, than not playing at all. Yep. There, there were some games against Washington and some other teams that they should have beaten that, Hey, if they had a guy who would uh, score, score 10 points and have eight assists and grab eight rebounds and play all defense caliber defense, like that'd be pretty good. It's not It'd be nice to have someone to put on Kuzma or Dinwiddie. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be probably worthy of being a, uh, all NBA guy and be like, Hey, that's maybe a little money, but it's better than not having that guy. <laughs> you probably win, yeah. win four or five more games than you have this season with that guy in the lineup. So I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think he'll be back if they don't trade him. You, you seem to think there's a chance. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I think there's a chance. I'm not saying it's likely, but yeah. uh, if, if it comes to that point, I think that they'll at least turn their attention to increasing those chances as much as they can. All right. Well, we will see what happens. We are a week away now and less than a week away when you, when you out there are listening to this. So I don't know. It's one of the more interesting and nerve wracking trade deadlines in recent memory as a Sixers fan. Deafening Uh, silence. (laughs) Never, never has 3 PM the, the gong struck quite as loudly as it might at next Thursday at 3 p.m. Um, yeah, I remember sitting there thinking, <laughs> I hope they don't trade their first for a few months of Tyreek Evans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need we need to think, we need to have the longest view in the room. Just don't, yeah. don't go for those shortcuts. Uh, it's, yeah, weird, weird times right now. Uh, all right. Well, Dave, thank you for, uh, for joining me. Where, where can everybody f- find your work? Um, in addition to your, your, your great work here at libertyballers.com. You can find me on Twitter, uh, at David early D A V I D E R L Y. I write, I'm a Nets beat reporter for clutch points as well. So if you want to see Harden's reaction right after the game, uh, you come find me there. If he gets frustrated, I'll, I'll let you know about it. Yep, but they they won't be having players meeting players only meetings. So, if they Kyrie <laughs> said if we do have one, I won't be telling you guys about it because then you're going to speculate what we said. And uh, you know he's referring to some of those years with LeBron when they did have players only meetings and they were subtweeting Kevin Love and taking personal time for two three weeks, but it worked out. They won a trip, so yeah. I think he doesn't mind moments like this. Yeah. Well, Kyrie's not wrong. We would be speculating because yes, that's, that's the nature of the business. All right. Well, Dave, uh, great, great having you on again. Um, thanks for coming on. Uh, for the listeners out there, the next episode, we will know what happens. It might not be the eventual end of the Ben Simmons saga, but it will be the current end of the Ben Simmons saga. So I'll talk to you then. Um, fingers crossed that Ben Simmons gets his wish and can play for another team. come this time next week um and we'll we'll see how uh 
if Daryl Murray has any other tricks up his sleeve besides besides a Ben trade, like we didn't talk about this that this episode, but they they could do something else. That's also a possibility. <laughs> All right, so yeah. everyone, yeah, take care. Um, talk to you next week. Try not to fret too much over this trade deadline. <laughs> All right, Sean. Thank you.